in order to change the way we think, we have to create new neural pathways. When the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, this is what's scientifically happening. We're changing the neural pathways, we're widening the roads to faith and to hope and to purity and to process in our life. Are you following me? So I, I was like, okay, how do I actually do that? Like, I, 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 I wanna think positive thoughts, I'd love to do that, but how do I change the way I actually think? And I was reading the book of Joshua, you know the book of Joshua, Moses has just died, and God has just commissioned Joshua to take the leadership of the country. And God tells him several times, you know, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid. I don't know about you, but when God says don't be afraid, it's like, I don't wanna be afraid. How do I not be afraid? I, you know, have you ever had God say, stop being afraid? It's like, thank you. <laughs> Are you afraid of that giant? Yes, don't be, okay. It doesn't make me not afraid. And so I love this part in verse eight, God says this to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Did you hear what he just said? Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Did you get that? God said, if you meditate on my world, my world, yes, yes, world. If you meditate on my word, if you talk about my word, if you speak my word and do my word, then you will make your way prosperous and you will be successful. God didn't say, I'll make you prosperous. He said, you'll make you prosperous. It's really interesting. This word meditate, it means to moan, to growl, to speak, to declare, to sing, to talk, to utter, to ponder. It's interesting. In Isaiah 31, God makes this statement. For thus says the Lord to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over its prey. The word growls is the word meditate. Are you following me? In other words, meditation isn't like, hi, 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 that's Buddhism. What are you doing? I'm emptying my mind, hi, hi. hey, what are you doing? Can I talk to you? That's not Christian meditation. Christian meditation is, is depicted in Isaiah 62. Go through, go through the gates. I mean, on Isaiah 60, he says, you'll call your gates praise, you'll call your wall salvation and your gates praise. Go through, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, cast up a high way, remove the stones. He's, Isaiah says, you will growl like a young lion over your prey. What's God talking about? He's talking about taking your thoughts and he's talking about bulldozing new neural pathways in our lives. When I have, when my daughter is late, instead of, instead of going to the 10 lane freeway that says something happened to her, she was abducted by aliens, somebody's gonna kill her, she's probably being molested right now. Instead I go, I will trust God, I will believe what God says, and I begin to say, she's probably, and I begin to talk myself, I begin to talk myself, I begin to push through all the negativism, I begin to, if you will, metaphorically, I am getting my sword of the spirit, and I'm hacking my way through the jungle, and building a highway to God thoughts. I'm not passively, it's not passively happening. I'm like, well, maybe I should read a verse. No, I am growling over my prey. I am saying to myself, I will not think like that anymore. I will think like this. How often do I have to do that? For at least 40 days, right? You build new neural pathways, and what you find is, then, you know, you go 40 days like this, and suddenly your, your son's late, and you think, oh, I bet the principal took him out to lunch. And you're like, how did I have that thought? I had that thought because I created new high ways. I created a new way of thinking. And when I begin to think like that, how many of you know I'm agreeing with God and then I make my way successful? How that person becomes successful? They plow new neural pathways in their mind. They renew their mind by agreeing with God like a lion growls over its prey. The difference between the prophetic and spiritual intelligence. I think prophetic ministry is a part of spiritual intelligence. Yes. But I think that spiritual intelligence, it, it transcends just prophetic ministry. So when we think yeah. about prophetic ministry, we think about fore foretelling and forthtelling. Yeah. We think about telling the future and knowing the future. 
But I think that SQ, uh, spiritual intelligence, includes a lot of other things. For instance, I think it includes discernment. I think it includes the, the word of wisdom. Mm-hmm. I think it includes the word of knowledge. I yeah. think it includes the mind of Christ, which is, in some ways, encompasses all those things. But I think the mind of Christ actually does more than that. I think that when you tap in to the mind of Christ, it's like I've said it many times, it's like Googling, it's like Googling the thoughts of God yeah. on any subject. So greater I, than AI. Greater greater than Spiritual AI. Spiritual intelligence over AI. AI can't think beyond what's been in in encoded in it, right? Correct. AI can only think within the perimeters of human reasoning because it is programmed to human reasoning. But we have something greater than human reasoning. We have the we actually actually can tap into what is the Lord thinking about any particular subject, any particular thing. So I think that, I think prophetic ministry fits inside of spiritual intelligence, but I think spiritual intelligence is much bigger than just prophetic ministry. Okay, you guys, it's time for the announcement reveal. Jazz hands. Okay, here it is. Guess what? So if you know me, if you've taken a course with me, I've always said I named the prophetic lab the wrong thing because we are always doing more than just what is necessarily prophecy. And additionally, I also, if you didn't know this, in the background have built something recently with Chris Valentin and Dan McCollum called the SQ Institute. It is the Spiritual Intelligence Institute where we are activating and exploring all things spiritual intelligence, which is another way of saying exploring all the languages of God. All right, back to the reveal. So it was like, hey, we're doing spiritual intelligence at the SQ Institute. And then really we're doing spiritual intelligence at the prophetic lab. And it was like, we got to get these two crazy kids together. So the prophetic lab and the SQ Institute have merged here at this Instagram. It will now turn into all things SQ Institute. I'll still be here. We'll still keep doing fun activations, but also Batman and Dr. Strange will also be here. And by that, I mean Chris Valentin and Dan McCollum. So welcome to the new SQ Institute Instagram. I'm excited to explore all of God's languages with you. This is so exciting. So we set up the, this, the SQ Institute because you can actually train your senses as Hebrews 5 says. Yes. And, and we're like, all right, you know, some of the things we're breaking into, can we disciple people in this whole SQ Institute? So tell us a little bit about the, the Institute. And it, it, we really have, we have like a, an SQ masterclass, right? Yep. Spiritual intelligence masterclass. Yes. And that's like self-driven class. Tell us a little bit about that first. Yeah. So Chris made a great masterclass, which is the foundation for everything that we're doing. And at SQ Institute, you can yeah, take- I don't want to brag about myself. I know, right? It's easier for you to do. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's brilliant. And you'll be very inspired. And so you can take just the masterclass on your own time and watch it and, you know, watch it on your own pace. And we have some activations and things for you to go through as you do that. A workbook and, yes. and a, you can read the book itself. Yeah. But then there's also the Solutionaries Intensive, which is where you will take the masterclass, but then also you will come to a main assembly where you will hear from Chris. Online. Yeah, online. Chris, Dano, and myself. And then you will go into Intel Teams. This is the most exciting part. Where, I love this part. I know. So a lot of times in schools, we teach you how to do things and then we just do an activation, like a little one on each other. And then, you know, it's kind of in theory, mm-hmm. but we were like with SQ Institute, let's break out of theory and let's just do it. So your Intel team will actually get real problems in the world that are going on. And then we are going to try to solve it through the revelatory realm. Are we doing a double blind? We are going to do the double so, blind. So the, the problem itself, the problem itself will be disguised. It kind will. of like the Daniel thing. Like the guy tested with me. Yeah. yeah. Like tell me my problem and then give him my answer. Right. Yeah. Because, and the reason we're <laughs> doing that is one, it's just to remove some filters and honestly pressure because 
I don't know about you. It's almost like when you're praying for someone and they're sick and they want to tell you all the things that are wrong with you. You're like, actually, I don't want to know. You're going to kill my faith. Like, let's, yeah, the same. So we're just kind of like, we're having a lot of fun playing around with that. And we're going to do a lot of um, training, like word of knowledge drills, blind versus informed. And I want everyone to know, like, when training, sometimes you might not get stuff, but that doesn't mean you don't hear God. Like, just like my story. Like, I went to the Dano training and I failed everything. And then when the real situation, like, arrived and God brought me that risky situation, he showed up. And so we keep showing up to train because we can't stop, won't stop, right? Exactly. <laughs> and believe that there's a moment where where the anointing's going to come, where, where our purpose, mm-hmm. like that was what he was calling me into and I didn't know it at the time. And so anyways, yep. feel safe. I like to create safe places for people to practice and dispel any thoughts that like you or me or Dano are getting like words of knowledge every 24-7. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah, yeah. And also like, oh, you're a false prophet because you didn't get the prophetic word wrong, right? No. You know? And I, I, I'm funny, uh, I think that most of those people don't even believe prophecies for today. So yeah. the way they read the Bible is like Jesus would say, in the last days, all the prophets will be false. You know, yeah. where we're like, we're raising up prophetic people, prophetic teams, solutionaries, right? Yeah. Kairos conductors, yes. cultural catalysts, where this came out of the cultural yeah. chaos. And, you know, and we're, we're really trying to, I mean, the, the bottom line goal is to attract people to Jesus Christ. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, get them connected to the redemption story and the power of God and really um, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. And, and, and really figuring out ways to activate people in making disciples of nations. And yes. that, you know, that begins in simple ways. And I, I love the spiritual intelligence because, you know, we're learning like Second uh, Corinthians 5, 17, we quote often, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We seldom quote the previous verse, which right now is a verse that is being highlighted to me, which is if any man be in Christ, I mean, before that verse, if any man be in Christ, a new creation is a, is a verse that says, we know each other no longer after the flesh. Yeah. We knew Christ this way once before, but know him no longer this, this way. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the Prophetic Lab, Aqua Regia, and last week we began an introductory look into spiritual intelligence, according to Chris Vallotton from Bethel Church in Redding, California. He has written a book from 2020 called Spiritual Intelligence, The Art of Thinking Like God. And today, we are going to be looking at that book, mainly the workbook, but also the book itself, because there is a workbook that coincides with the book. And we're also going to be looking at the Spiritual Intelligence Institute. Now, I have a lot of information to share with you, and I have gone through the books, and obviously, there's no way for me to share everything in there with you. I'm sure there's probably something I missed in there that was troubling, or even things that sounded right. Not everything sounded uh, completely unbiblical. There were things that sounded normal or okay, but there, as always, are there's concerns when there's teachings coming out of Bethel Church. And especially with their history with physics of heaven and other things, as I mentioned last week, uh, there are equal concerns with this teaching. And so, if you listen to part one, then you'll understand where I'm coming from. In fact, one of the clips I played today was very similar from one of the clips I played last week, but it was a different service. So, you can hear, just as an example, that he continues uh, repetitively to share these different things, and they're coming from his book when he's teaching about spiritual intelligence. So we're going to be looking at these these things today. We're going to be looking at some of the services that Spiritual Intelligence Institute provides. And some of these were uh, bleeding over or coming over from the prophetic lab. And you can hear for yourself what's on the website. And I'll share some thoughts with you along the way. So I hope you're ready for part two as we dive into Spiritual Intelligence, according to Chris Vallotton. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. Well, I wish I could tell you that I am looking forward to covering this topic, but I am not. I'll be honest with you, I am not. I had to walk away from the book and the workbook several times when reading through it because I was becoming very 
discouraged by the things I was reading, uh, very troubled by the things I was reading, the statements. Some of these things I've heard Chris Vallotton say before, but just seeing them in writing and seeing some of the things that were borderline blasphemy uh, were very disturbing to me, to say the least. So today, what we're going to be doing is going through, again, as I said, the, the book, The Spiritual Intelligence, The Art of Thinking Like God. And yes, there is a workbook that you can purchase along with it in order to work through and build your spiritual intelligence. And I'm going to share with you the uh, contents of this book for the most part and the workbook. The workbook is going to be a little bit more detailed because there's so much interaction with it. And then I'm going to be telling you some things about the Spiritual Intelligence Institute. Now, before we do that, I want to share some things with you I pulled off of Chris Vallotton's Facebook page. And just so you can get some insight, again, that this is continually what he shares about spiritual intelligence. So, for example, November 6th of this year, this was one of Chris Vallotton's Facebook posts. Quote, some of the greatest minds in the modern day have overlooked a deeper dimension of brilliance. The two quotients, IQ and EQ, are commonly known to analyze the intelligence of our minds and emotions, but rarely is spiritual intelligence, SQ, utilized in the efforts to pioneer new discoveries that serve society. While the brightest minds in the world are essentially relegated to IQ and EQ, the silver lining of this spiritual ignorance is that it has inadvertently unlocked an opportunity for believers to explore the nature of this whole new world. The Apostle Paul inspired such an expedition when he exhorted us to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, Ephesians 4.23. At first glance, this may seem like a simple exhortation to learn to think well, but upon deeper examination, the ramifications of Paul's insights are stunning. Notice that Paul instructs us to renew, not lower, the dimensions of thinking represented in modern times by IQ and or EQ, but the spirit of your mind. He was intentionally instructing us to give attention to a specific dimension of thinking. There are many profound advantages that we followers of Jesus have over those who have yet to experience His transforming power. But it should suffice to say that the most creative, inventive, ingenious, imaginative, inspired, brilliant, resourceful, innovative, and advanced ideas should be flowing from the sons and daughters of God. We are alive in the Spirit, endowed with wisdom, commissioned with power, and given authority to make a profound difference in the world. It is past time that we rise to our high call in Jesus Christ and start thinking like royalty, end quote. That was a long post, wasn't it? (laughs) He does seem to do long ones. Here's another one from November 19th of 2021, quote, what does it mean to think like God, to have the mind of Christ? Many believers understand and have the sound theology for what it means to think like God, but never actually experience for themselves. Maybe you have found yourself in this camp, in awe of the incredible reality and extraordinary capability, but wonder how to access the thoughts of God into how to become a conduit for solutions from heaven and grab hold of wisdom beyond the times. And this is the, uh, let me just interject this, this is the saying, uh, the the vision, if you will, for this, this business in the Spiritual Intelligence Institute. And this is something that Lindsay Ryman has even said for the Prophetic Lab before the the Spiritual Intelligence Institute came to be with their merger with the Prophetic Lab, is that they're trying to find heaven solutions through this type of experimentation with hearing the voice of God. Chris goes on to say, quote, the truth is God intended for his people to be the most intelligent people so that we can cut through the chaos of this age and walk in divine wisdom and supernatural solutions. This spiritual intelligence is not reserved for a select few prophets or chosen ones. Instead, it is accessible for all believers. The mind of Christ gives us a capacity for brilliance that is beyond our human intelligence. 
Are you ready to explore God's terrain of thought for your life's challenges? Are you ready to dive in to become equipped in spiritual intelligence and advanced in the art of thinking like God? I am excited to announce the Spiritual Intelligence Institute is launching in January 2022. The SQ Institute is a place for spiritual pioneers to explore their God-given capacity for spiritual brilliance and become more effective and accurate with their giftings. We offer courses that empower you to think beyond the limits of human reasoning by accessing God's thoughts and ideas in real time, increasing your capacity for spiritual intelligence. Be the first to know about open enrollment by joining the VIP list here, and I would not recommend that. (laughs) He has other posts, too, that I have screenshots of I'm going to share when I post this on my YouTube channel uh, next week. But uh, there's a post he had about three ways to increase your spiritual intelligence, and he goes on in those, and, and I'll share those, and I'll even have them in a blog post where people can see them. But he talks about biblical meditation in these, um, that that's the first step in accessing the thoughts of God is biblical meditation and uh, build a friendship with the Holy Spirit. He says, listen spirit to spirit. Uh, That means your spirit to the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about the launch of the Spiritual Intelligence Institute. Uh, And then there's other, like I said, there's several others that he has on there talks about the the SQ Institute and the different things that they offer. But I wanted to share some of those with you because he shares this teaching quite often. Now, there's there's several that you can find online when you look for this on YouTube. There was one that I came across, it was about 13 minutes long that he did about the art of thinking like God. And uh, at the beginning of this, he, he talks about... Um, then 2020 that they went to Google, that Bethel has actually launched a school of technology. And in that, uh, they wanted to create coders. As I mentioned last week, I played a clip about that and sending the Daniels and the Josephs and the Esters as uh, coders into these different areas and pockets of like Google and Twitter and Facebook and such. And they want to create revivals and, and things in there and and change the culture and, and have these people not only train naturally to to, to do coding, but to uh, raise the dead and to uh, cast out demons and to heal the sick and to do all these supernatural signs because they believe that that is the way that they're ministering the gospel, for one thing, and that they are bringing heaven to earth. That is one of the mantras of Bethel is bringing heaven to earth. Well, during this time at Google, he says in 2020 that uh, they were talking about the information gate, and they were also talking about uh, spiritual intelligence to those at Google, and and they wanted to talk about higher learning and higher thinking, and Chris Valentin says that they spoke to these people about thinking tri-dimensionally. Now, we'll get back to that in just a few minutes, but he says that we were designed for this. Now, I want you to consider this, and, and I just want to pose this question before I launch into this, because when I was listening to him talk about this on this particular video, it just seemed very odd to me that he was going into a secular place, had no clue if if who he, the audience was, because he never made that clear that he was talking to all believers, all born-again believers, and according to him, he's going in talking about how th- that people need to be thinking tridimensionally. He's including them, that people need, that they need to be thinking tridimensionally, that we were designed for this. I, I just couldn't help but think when he said that, you know, why is he talking to people at Google, many of whom may not be born again? And that's not just saying anything about Google, that's just in general. And the ver- the very verses he used, such as 1 Corinthians 2, and he uses that quite often in the book, in the workbook, and in his public teachings, and in his Facebook posts, 1 Corinthians 2, we touched on that last week, 
And he likes to to go especially to First Corinthians two fourteen because he talks about how the the things uh, of the spirit are only understood by the spirit. And so a lot of times when people are looking at that verse, they're reading more into it, even in a in a mystical type way or a gnostic type way. Sometimes of saying that we can only know the secrets of God by the spirit of God. When really in context, as I said last week, when you look at that, it it would seem that 1 Corinthians 2 is is in light of the gospel. That's the mystery that's actually already been revealed. It's no longer a mystery because God has revealed it. But the verses that he uses in 1 Corinthians 2 support that the gospel can only be understood by those who are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So, the world cannot comprehend the things of God, such as salvation, eternal life, and repentance. So, I was wondering, why is he speaking to people at Google like this without the mention of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because he never mentions it. So, I wanted to to begin with that because he's, we'll talk about this in a minute about him uh, teaching about thinking tridimensionally. And I just ask that you be patient today because this is going to be a little bit longer episode where I have to cover some things that are important in this. And I will play a couple of clips as we go that are relevant to what we're talking about. So let's go ahead and dive in into this. And you're going to be hearing my voice quite a bit today. And some people may be relieved <laughs> by that, and some people may not, but it's okay. So as we go into the workbook that's written by Chris Vallotton, it's Basic Training for Spiritual Intelligence. And at the very beginning of the book, on page seven, I'm just going to walk you through this. On page seven, it says, Welcome to the beginning of spiritual intelligence. One of the things I had highlighted here, it says, You are someone who thinks like God. You access through the Holy Spirit the deeper dimensions of God's mind. You walk in power and know how to love the hell out of people. Again, I highlighted some things. (laughs) I'm not going to read everything. I'm just highlighting some things that stood out to me when I was reading through it. He then goes on to talk about spiritual intelligence. And he says in here at the beginning, at the introduction, you will find a spiritual intelligence quotient assessment included in the book. So, there is a a test that you can take or an assessment that you can take, and it's in the actual book that Chris Ballatin wrote. And I I did take a look at that. I want to play this clip for you real quick where uh, Lindsey Ryman and Chris Ballatin are talking about this test. And oh, by the way, uh, I just want to, I know we got to go, but we, we, we have a, a whole spiritual intelligence test. It's kind of like an IQ test, yes, it is. which is really powerful. You're going to take it at the beginning of the, uh, of the SQ Institute. And you're going to take it at the end so you can see your own growth, identify areas where you're really like where, where your genius is, your superpower, sure. and also areas like not so much. And you can develop all those areas. And it's really powerful. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fun tool. And I'm, we want you to do it at the beginning and then at the end, because yeah. we just want you to recognize areas that you can have fun to play with and grow. All of my training is always like being playful in the prophetic and like enjoying it's always the beginning of a conversation, yeah, right? The kingdom of God is not eat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Peace and joy are a big part of the kingdom. Yeah. Now, I know you're dying to know what the spiritual intelligence quotient assessment test is. So, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> At the back of the book on page 201 of Chris Vallotton's book, Spiritual Intelligence, it says, as you take this ISQ assessment, which I did not take it, by the way, I just read it <laughs> and, and uh, was, was amazed at what I was reading. Uh, it will reflect the ways that your unique connection to the multifaceted mind of Christ is manifested in your life. I had to remind myself that I was reading a book that, that labeled itself Christian. I don't know how many times I had to remind myself of that. He says, it will help you discern your sensitivity to spiritual information, as well as assessing the frequency and relevance of the spiritual information you receive. 
He goes on a little bit further to say, the goal is to launch you into potentially new ways of developing the, quote, spirit of your mind. See chapter one. So as you look at the test before you, you have statements and they're divided into five different sections. There's five different statements that you answer. The five sections are think, know, feel, see, and hear. And the statements are uh, on a scale of zero to four, with zero being never uh, to four being frequent. And then in between, you have once for one, seldom for two, and occasionally for three. So if you've taken a test or a survey like this before, even regular surveys in restaurants and stuff, you'll see these these kind of scales. And you have... Uh, how you can answer different statements or questions based on that scale. So you go through there and then it tallies up your score based on the different sections that you have, the five sections. So I went to the back and I looked and said, at, so SQ total score of zero to 25 after you add everything up. Um, this kind of score basically tells you that you have relegated your experience to this world's natural laws and to the realms of IQ slash EQ only. So are, you are therefore accustomed to lower levels of thinking. Now, Chris Valentin talks about this several times. He's mentioned this, that even in examples in scripture, he'll talk about how, for example, Elijah with the, the widow and uh, that was starving and that he told her to uh, make him a cake. And that the, the her jars will be full uh, later on and, and actually happen. He says that Elijah did not access the IQ or the EQ. He went beyond and accessed the SQ or the spiritual intelligence. So he was not thinking on a lower level. So he said a lot of times, and you'll hear him say this, a lot of times the reason why we have problems in our world and they don't get solved is because we're thinking on a lower level. Um, we're thinking at IQ level or EQ. What we really need to be doing is tapping into SQ or the spiritual intelligence. We must have that, the mind of Christ. And, and this is the action step is what he says, is that if your SQ score is between 0 to 25, you have great things ahead as you discover your potential to have the mind of Christ. You can forge new neural pathways and get on the SQ highway of divine wisdom so you can think in new ways. Do this by connecting with a community of people who demonstrate spiritual intelligence. This will position you to receive spiritual airdrops from them that will enable you to have experiences in God that transcend in the laws of nature. And we'll come back to that as we go. But then it's, it goes on to tell the different ranges and what that means for you. And then part two of the assessment is a basic receptivity analysis. So the, the five different areas, think, know, feel, see, and hear that I've told you, there's a number assigned to each one of those sections based on the answers that you gave to the statements. So then you get to find out your receptivity in those areas. And in this area, part two, uh, Valentin says, Jesus lived fully connected with his father and fully aligned to God's way of thinking. He was what I call, quote, intelligently in tune with all the extraordinary ways God communicates spiritually with people. I wonder why that was. Could it be because Jesus was God, maybe? Uh, because he was able to know the thoughts of other, to, of mankind, and he was God? <sighs> anyway, I'm sorry. I am I have a really hard time, I'll be honest. I have a really hard time uh, hiding my frustration <laughs> with this. I guess it's when this mixture of the prophetic, I guess, when, when you hear people talk about this stuff and, and just the manipulation that goes on, it's really... It can really grate on you sometimes. He gives biblical examples of Jesus the thinker uh, for the thinking area, biblical examples of Jesus the knower, uh, Jesus the feeler, the action steps for each one, Jesus the seer, Jesus the hearer. So to try to help people with these tests 
and their assessment of them and to go back and take them again. So just wanted to share that with you. Now, as we go through this book, what we're going to find is with the the workbook, um, the module, there's five modules. There's five modules in this workbook. And I'm just going to share the titles of the modules with you and and, uh, break them down to you. And I'm going to incorporate some of the book excerpts with the workbook. That's probably the best and most efficient way to do this. And then from there, we'll play a couple of clips and listen to them, and I'll have some thoughts at the end. So really today, this is going to be informative and not getting a lot into because there's a lot to cover, and I've had people ask me to cover this topic, or there's been people that have been ex- expressing interest and in wanting to understand what he, what in the world he means by spiritual intelligence. So that's why I'm sharing this, and then we're going to move on after after today and get away from all this stuff, because four weeks of this stuff, it's, it's definitely uh, not, not the most fun topic, not that the stuff I talk about a lot is fun, but it's helpful to others, and that's the point, and to really shed light on it and to get you going back to Scripture to understand the truth of what God's Word says. In this workbook, there's five modules. The first one is modules called the Foundation of Spiritual Intelligence. Number two is the Art of Thinking Like God. Number three is Activating Spiritual Intelligence. Number four is the Physics of, of uh, Spiritual Intelligence. And honestly, I cringed at that one because it reminded me of the Physics of Heaven <laughs> with just the title alone. And number five, What Time Is It? That was the last module. Now, as they go through each set, each lesson in within each module has different sections to it. So he's broken it down to where there's a section that's called Access God's Thoughts and Ideas. And he says this section starts off each lesson with a biblical approach that will help you gain insight into the mind of Christ. I don't agree with that. Just because you use scripture doesn't mean it's biblical and and that it's correct. So anyway, so the second section is called Renew Your Mind. And then the third section is called Build New Neural Pathways. And this is what this this one says. I highlighted this. This section contains practical activations that will help you build new neural pathways to spiritual intelligence. You will partner with the Holy Spirit to step outside the boundaries of what is comfortable and access the mind of Christ. You will begin to walk as God's solutionary, someone who helps bring His solutions to this world's challenges. He goes on to encourage them in this section to resist the temptation to record logical answers as you work through the exercises in this manual. He says, use the tools provided, the new neural pathfinder, and the encouragement tool. Now, what you may be asking is the new neural pathfinder tool? Well, I, I can't explain it. it it's a portal. <laughs> <laughs> on a page <laughs> is what it looks like, but it's a graph. I'm, I'm half kidding. It, it has a hole in the middle of it, like a portal, but it's like a, it's a graph. It's circular and it's broken down into 31 days and each section and you have additional sections. You can add things they want you to do. It's a spiritual intelligence tracking tool. And so you can uh, check off in each on each day of those 31 days. Did you read your Bible? Yes, I read my Bible. Did you meditate on God's word? Yes, I did. Did you exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Did you record what God says to you? Those are the four things they have on there. And then you can add additional things if you want to. There's extra blanks that you can add into this. And he talks about, you know, it normally takes 40 days to form a pattern or form a habit in your life or form new neural pathways and ways of thinking. This one has 31. And so... I don't understand why it doesn't have 40, but anyway, maybe I guess 31 works. But they have several copies of this in the back of the workbook. 
So now that we're past that, let's dive into the modules in the Workbook for Spiritual Intelligence. On page 17 of the workbook in Lesson 1, Thinking Tri-Dimensionally, Chris Valentin says the Apostle Paul inspired the expedition that you are about to set out on when he exhorted us believers to be, quote, renewed in the spirit of your mind, end quote. And he is taking this from Ephesians 4.23. Now, I would just encourage you to please read Ephesians 4 and read the entire chapter. And when you get to the point of Ephesians 4.23, make sure that you're reading the verses before it that are talking and making the difference between a believer versus an unbeliever or those that are not regenerated and how their conduct is supposed to be because that's what it's in context to. And it's showing the difference in how you are to conduct yourself as a believer and the work that God does within you. But this is not where this is going to go in his workbook. He's actually going to be talking talking about thinking tridimensionally, which is going beyond just IQ and EQ and having SQ, having the mind of God. And this is not having just your mind renewed by the Word of God and and having it transformed and in the sanctification process. No, He's going to make it very clear in His teaching that you can actually access God's thoughts, like Google God. And this is something that He said for years. I mean, when I've gone back, I've found old video clips of him talking about Googling God. And this is not a new teaching that he's done, but he's starting to bring this up to the surface now to light about the spiritual intelligence over the past few years. And if you listen to last week, you know, this is not something new. This is not something he's come up with. This is, and it's not something just relegated to science and neuroscience. This has been adopted by New Age, by the occult, by just secular world, by gurus, by other, other types of religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, all types that have grasped onto spiritual intelligence and what they believe it means. As Valentin goes on, he highlights 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5 about accessing God's thoughts and ideas. And uh, he wants to make the uh, cite the difference that Paul made between the natural dimensions of wisdom and the divine wisdom available exclusively to believers. Now, what I find interesting is that he will make references such as to Nebuchadnezzar, who was not a believer. He was a pagan king who had dreams, and he had to have someone interpret them, and that was Daniel. And Daniel made it very clear that he did not get the revelation or the interpretation on his own. It came from God. And that one of the dreams in particular I talked about in the prophetic lab several weeks ago was that it was a, it was a judgment on Nebuchadnezzar. This was not calling the gold out of somebody. This was not uh, blessing them and saying greatness about them. That it actually brought judgment on Nebuchadnezzar because of his pride and arrogance and sin against God. As Valentin goes on, he also highlights 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 16. And I mentioned this last week about he, he talks about the three things cited in these verses. Uh, he begins with his insights with the fact that we have access to a dimension of wisdom that is otherworldly and inaccessible to those who don't know God. And then he makes a statement on page 20 saying, having access to the mind of Christ gives you and me the ability to bring heaven's solutions to our daily lives, as well as to the global problems that face humanity. 
in lesson two of module one about renewing the spirit of your mind, he mentions about the principle of first mention, which is the very first thought come, that comes in your mind. It becomes the way in which you view that topic from that point on. And then he mentions about creating new neural pathways, uh, drawing conclusions while conserving energy. And under the build new neural pathways section, you know, one of the three areas I told you about that's in each module of uh, lesson of each module, he says, to the person doing this workbook, take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to engage the divine imagination of God, that He can give you access to ask Him to reveal the plans He has to prosper you in your life. Now, I want to read a couple of things that I highlighted in Valentin's book. And again, I'm just pointing out some things that were uh, a bit concerning or immediate red flags or just brought pause when I read them. But for example... Uh, on page 21 of this book, uh, Spiritual Intelligence, when he, in the chapter one where he talks about thinking tridimensionally, Chris Valentin makes a statement regarding 1 Corinthians 4.1 that we are actually stewards of the intellectual properties of God. And then he goes on on page 22 to say, quote, we have access to God's spirit and having that access essentially gives us the ability to think like God. You heard me right. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can and should think like God. This is true spiritual intelligence. As we go back to the workbook and we go to page 27, and again, I'm just citing these just for reference in case anyone wants to double check me, but on lesson three of module one, this is called Bulldozing New Neural Pathways. He talks about high values and core values. The core values are what you truly believe, the way you actually see the world. High values are the truths you hold in the greatest regard. So one of the things he says about this on page 28, he says, imagine that your rent or mortgage is due and a thought comes to your mind that says no provision is coming. You're going to be homeless. The renewed mind assigns that thought to the uh, fiction room because the thought is opposed to the word of God. The transformed mind accesses the, quote, reality compartment of the renewed mind to decide what to believe and adjust your soul's emotional state accordingly. This aligns your reality with God's as well as giving you access to heaven's solutions. And I could not help but to think of word of faith as soon as I read that. I mean, there were several times reading through this, I thought, this just sounds like a different repackaging of word of faith. Because he talks a little bit later about faith being a force, uh, about uh, and having hope and faith, and, and you know the power of your the alluding to your words and and these new neural pathways sound like it's giving power to the right words, positive confession. That's word of faith teaching, and I mentioned that last week. So some of this is a repackaging of the prophetic in with the word of faith. That's again, that's my opinion. But that, that's what I'm taking away from it, along with some New Age and, and other um, influences that seem to be poo-pooed down when you, when you mention them, because I know in the book he talks about, you know, uh, people dismissing or looking down upon people that say they've had trances and such, and he says it's biblical people, you know, basically just get over it, essentially, like this attitude of saying, Trances are in the Bible because Peter and Paul had them, so that's that that's normative. And Scripture doesn't tell us that that's normative, and we should look at how those were in context and what what the outcome of those things were. Not use it as a prescriptive text in order to say this is what needs to be happening to all believers. That's not what that means. As we go on. He talks about accessing your superpowers. So him and, and Lindsay Ryman talked about accessing their superpowers. 
And in this section, he says, Paul is pointing out in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13, that we have received God's spirit and we therefore have access to his thoughts. The key distinction here is that we are not just thinking like God. Instead, we are thinking his actual thoughts planted in us by the Holy Spirit, knowing his mind in whatever situations we face and mirroring, mirroring his ad- imagination about the solutions and outcomes in real time. This is our God-given superpower. And I found that very interesting. <laughs> As we go back to the book on page 39 and 40, uh, I'm going to be sharing some things with you. I just want you to be prepared. There's going to be times I'm sharing things with you that you're going to say, I don't believe it's in that book, and I'm going to assure you that it is. On page 39 of Spiritual Intelligence, Chris Vallotton says, quote, the reason we don't develop the spirit of our minds is because we usually solve life's challenges with lower level natural thinking, thinking that can be based in biblical principles that may not actually be spirit led. He goes on to say the only way to know what God is thinking is to have a connection through the Holy Spirit to God's mind. He cites 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13. And he's talking about that we are not just thinking like God, we are thinking his actual thoughts, as I mentioned. So some of this that we do see verbatim coming from his book that's also in his workbook. As we go on to module two, he, (laughs) I'm sorry, I hate to laugh at some of these, but I have to laugh in order to not get so frustrated. In module two of The Art of Thinking Like God, both in his book and his workbook, Chris Vallotton begins to talk about spiritual hieroglyphics. And he talks about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us in picture form. And so this is God's way. These were holy writings, is according to Chris Vallotton, and when you use the word hieroglyphics. And so he's saying not that he supports what the Egyptians did, but he uses this to to de- uh, describe what the Holy Spirit does in believers today. This is spiritual hieroglyphics. And on page 45 of this workbook, under accessing God's thoughts and ideas. And there's questions and things that people can answer in this book. So I'm skipping over all of those things. There's lots of questions that he asks people to fill things out. What God, What is God speaking to you? There's a couple of them I'll touch on, but just for time's sake, we'll look at these. He says, what kind of creator would design a creature like humans with our level of capacity for communication and then have no interaction with them, especially a creator who calls himself the word of God? How could a God named the word not talk to us? And if God is talking to us, then why are most people not hearing him or at least not understanding him? Yeah, uh, he he uh, talks about in this book too, uh, as far as building new neural pathways on page 49, he says, using your dream and the spiritual hieroglyphics you listed in the previous cognitive connection, take a moment with the Holy Spirit and ask him to help you interpret the unknown hieroglyphics from your dream. If you didn't have a dream to record, but you have a vision or some type of other imagery you feel God has given you, use that to complete this activation. Or you can ask someone else to share one of his or her dreams with you that needs interpreting. Tip, take each hieroglyphic one at a time and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the interpretation. Write out the interpretations you receive. After you complete this, look at the dream as a whole and record what you believe God wants to reveal to you or the person who shared a dream with you. Now, what else was interesting too, when you look in the book, um, he has a, a chapter called Swords and Duct Tape, Duct Tape and Swords. Very odd. And he talks about how he was at a national prayer breakfast, 
And he was pulling spiritual swords out of a lady's belly that was having chronic pain and she was healed. And other people saw this happen and were asking for their, the swords to be pulled out of them. And then he said that he saw that he was pulling spiritual duct tape off of people's mouths that had been hindered. I wish I was making that up, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not making it up. He talks about receiving and interpreting the messages, the secret messages, should I say. And as he goes on, uh, he talks in the book about practicing prophecy and that in the past that he would have people sit in a hot seat. And we did this at our church years ago when I was doing prophetic classes and we were using his basic prophetic ministry training. You'd have someone sit in the middle and other people just sit around and you would ask God, what what is God saying about that person? And the first thing it came to mind, people would say. And uh, yeah, okay. So he talks about people sitting in the hot seat, which sounds like a cold reading. And he talks about how um, asking people, you know, did did you have this color of room when you were a kid? Did you have this type of toy? And of course, people are, when you're correct, people are so enamored by that. And that's the goal, it seems, that you're doing these things. The first thing that comes to mind when hearing this is, you know, Jesus said to his disciples that when the Holy Spirit came, that he would testify of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He testifies of Christ. And I'm just wondering, how does knowing a person's bedroom color when they were a kid or the stuffed animal they had, how does that glorify and testify of Christ? I know that there will be people that believe along this lines that will say, well, that helps us to know that God is personal and that he knows us. Okay, well, a psychic could do those same things. So, how does, is that any different? And again, I would say, how is that, how is that glorifying Christ? Because it's not. It's not testifying of Him and who He is. It's not proclaiming the gospel. It's just feeding into that person and helping them, wanting them to know how special they are rather than them understanding the value of the gospel and their need for Christ. That, that's what needs to be proclaimed to people, the good news to their bad news. He goes on in, on page 51 of the workbook in Lesson 2, Receiving and Interpreting the Secret Message, um, talking about the interpretation of visions and dreams and how you cultivate a high value for hearing God and faith in God is spelled risk and that you have to look for patterns when you're talking to people, don't fill in the gaps. I remember uh, him talking about this one account, and I've heard a video of this before, I'm sure you have too, where he had this lady come that was um, a psychic, and that one of her psychic form, her psychic friend had f sent her there to have ministry done, and that uh, she was very open and honest with them about what she did according to him, and they started talking to her, and, and Chris ended up telling her that she had two spirit guides giving her insights into the future, and then he ended up telling her that they were demons, and, and she said, oh, well, they're actually dark spirits, like evil entities. And he said, yes, and if I make them leave, you'll have your peace back. As they go on talking, she decides to let him take them away because she'd rather have peace and be poor because that's the, the stipulations he gave her. Well, you can be rich and, and tormented or you can be broken, peaceful. And so she said, you know, she thought about it and then decided that. And then according to Valentin, he said that he told her, uh, if we make these spirit guides leave, you'll need to ask Jesus into your life and follow him. This is on page 99 of the book. The Holy Spirit will be your spirit guide. This is what he says to this lady. The Holy Spirit will be your spirit guide. He's speaking her language. 
And it says, otherwise, those evil spirits will forcibly return and really mess up your life. And she says, yes, my friend told me he asked Jesus into his life, and he explained that that's now be- he's now being led by the spirit of Jesus. Yeah, it's just very, it's very interesting. And I've heard that that account before um, when he's said that publicly. Um, he talks about spiritual hackers and pirates as we go on into module three. And uh, these are people that are operating in the counterfeit, according to him. This is what he calls them, spiritual hackers and pirates. In one of the lessons titled Discernment of Spirits, he had this to say on page 68. From some believers' perspectives, because they don't know how to tell the spiritually real from the fake, the safe solution is simply to remove all burden of responsibility by way of abandoning all SQ miracles and supernatural acts. What believers like this don't realize is that it plays right into the devil's hands. Their their fearful reaction to the things of the Spirit creates powerless believers who preach a powerless gospel to a people in bondage to a powerful thief." Jesus, however, said that supernatural signs will accompany those who believe. Make an honest assessment of where your heart is. Do you trust the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you into all truth to the point that you feel confident to lay hands on the sick, pray for the lost, prophesy over the brokenhearted, cast out demons, and so on? It is likely that you know that your biblical response to this question ought to be, but truly take time with the Holy Spirit and have an open-hearted conversation. Record the fruit of this conversation here. He goes on to instruct them if there's any fear encroaching on your spiritual identity, gifts, or responsibility as a believer, take a moment as Paul did with the slave girl to cast out the presence of fear that is attempting to overshadow and steal your authority as a child of God. Stay present with the Holy Spirit, and He will guide you into dismantling any lofty lie that has attached itself to the way you function as a spirit-filled believer. Record the results of this experience here. <sighs> now, what I find interesting, and I just want to share this, I found it very interesting and not surprising, honestly, when there was this belittling of people that call what they're doing into question. Because the view is, is that if you don't, if you're not doing things like what they're doing, then you're just you're not um, working at a high high level as you, as you should be as a believer. I just want to say this. It seems like it's belittling the power of the actual gospel that's in in the Bible. And when we read in context those that Jesus spoke to and instructed them what to do, I think that that really is helpful to us to see and get a context of what's going on and to understand what we are called to do and who was called to do the things that they were supposed to do and that we understand the power of the gospel and that we rest in that because it is the gospel that saved us. It's, a, it's the gospel that's delivered us from the domain of darkness. It's it's the power of the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where the power lies. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't heal today, they doesn't do miracles and things like that. But when you tell people if you're not doing these things and then telling people praying for the lost, you're supposed to be ministering the gospel to the lost. And there are people that are coming out of Bethel that are testifying and saying, yeah, that what we said was the gospel, that wasn't the gospel. That's a big red flag that that needs to be waved and, and it needs to be drawn attention to because when we're saying that these signs and wonders are what helps bring people to, to faith in Christ and that those are necessary in order to do that, then that's a diminishing of the gospel. And I did want to circle back to something real quick when he even mentioned about, uh, you know, taking risks. 
uh, faith in God is spelled risk. He, he mentioned about that he found one of the best ways to begin living in the Spirit is to experiment with people with whom I have a relationship by asking them a lot of prophetic questions. It's important to note here that the less experience you have, the more questions you should ask before making any kind of confident prophetic declaration to someone. This is on page 54 of his book. And I would just ask a question, you know, Chris Vallotton considers himself a prophet. Did the prophets of God in the Bible do this? Is that what they did? Well, we got to learn how to hear the voice of God. So let's start small and we'll just practice on people that we know really well. Is this modeled in scripture? I'm going to be one of those annoying people that asks that, but I think that that needs to be asked because that's not modeled in scripture. Let me, I'll just let me just spoil it for you. It's not modeled in scripture. And he goes on on page fifty five. I'm just backpedaling a little bit because I just I wanted to mention this because it, it was like because I read this and I went what. Page 55 uh, in the chapter, Duct Tape and Swords. Number three, he says, pay attention to the prophetic interpretations that you get right because a lot language pattern will begin to emerge from these positive experiences. A clear understanding of God's personal dialect, the way he speaks to you, will materialize in your life, and soon you will be reading his pictorial language accurately. Now, this was the one that was quite interesting. Number four, as if it <laughs> didn't get more interesting than that. Sometimes, Chris Vallotton says, it helps to describe a vision or image to the people you are ministering to and ask them what it means to them. Often, God will speak to you in their personal dialect. For example, God gave me a certain number from the time I was young. It is God's secret code for me. Whenever someone uses that specific number, I know they are hearing from God for me. The number is meaningless to others, but to me, it means pay close attention to what this person tells you as I am speaking to you through him or her. So, he has a secret number that that God gave him and that he knows that that's a, a code talk between him and God. So when he hears that number, then he knows that God is trying to speak to that person. Let's move on. Uh, page 74 of the workbook, as we're looking at the three heavens, and, and this is a prophetic training thing about the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven, and that's also not, just because people talk about that, that doesn't mean it's new apostolic reformation or anything. But in this particular reference, that is very much highlighted. And on page 74, Vallison says, if we abandon our third heaven seat, we sublet our authority to a deauthorized devil and consequently commission the second heaven to rule the world. Then the human race becomes subject to the second heaven. I want to remind you that as believers, we are not victims, nor are we a subservient subculture suffering under the power of worldly people who have relegated their life to pretentious and perverted deceptions. We would be good to remember that we live in a now and not yet. So there is an, an over-realization here a lot of times that happens in these teachings that they want to talk about Ephesians 2 and that we're seated with Christ. So we need to be thinking from that place and we need to be exercising our authority from that place. And though that very much Ephesians 2 is true. We are seated in Christ in heavenly places, but we are not there yet. This is a promise of, of what we can look forward to as believers in Christ and, and the beautiful, glorious promise of eternal life that Christ gives us. So we live in a now, not yet. We live as citizens and exiles simultaneously. We are citizens in heaven, but we are exiles in this earth. So we are here. <laughs> you, you cannot escape the material. You cannot escape your body. You're here. And you are, if you are in Christ, you are in exile. You are a sojourner in this world. You are a pilgrim. But you are, all, you are a citizen of heaven. You are no longer under the tyranny of Satan. 
Yes, you're in a world where there's the little G, the little God of this world who is the devil, but you're no longer under his tyranny. I'm no longer under his tyranny. So we belong to a different kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God. We are children of God. We have been adopted. And so that is a promise that we have, and we have peace and joy in that, and we need to focus on that. But again, there's this over-realization that goes on. So, page 79, page 79, build new neural pathways. Uh, Valentin says, it is time to step up into your heavenly seat, if that is not where you are living from already. Jesus is waiting for you. He has made a place for you on the throne. He is excited for you to experience using the authority He purchased for you on the cross. Shift your perspective on your, quote, seat by listing seven personal declarations you will make as someone who is seated in heaven with Christ looking down at your life's challenges. For example, I will experience God's favor in my life along with divinely ordained opportunities and connections. This will break the cycle of poverty off my life and legacy, which will affect future generations to come. Say it with me. Word of faith. (laughs) Word of faith. Positive declarations. Let's make them not really. All right. As we move on, I'm going to try to look in here and see. I have some notes in front of me, so I'm trying not to miss anything. Want to share what I need to with you. Uh, on page 105, chapter 9 of his book, Spiritual Intelligence, in this module 3 that's that's um, is pertaining to this teaching, Chris Valentin says, quote, Spiritual intelligence is not just knowing, it is becoming. It is transforming, and it is a force for change that is working on us from the inside out. Page 87 and 88 of this workbook I thought was was another interesting thing where he talks about the parable of the sower. And he has a a tendency in his books to use and refer to Greek words. And in this one, I found that he was not right. I just looked it up, and it was just very weird. I'm going to read a little bit of this to you and then move on past the weirdness. But he talks about the the parable of the sower in Lesson 4 of Module 3. This is the sower, the seed, and the soil. And he mentions about the parable of the sower, emphasizes... Uh, discipleship and that we're not just learning, we are becoming like the one who teaches us. And in the, in this case, it's Jesus. So when he touches on Matthew 13, 20 through 21, he goes on to say that the Greek word used for seed there is sperma, which means offspring. And he says, we get our English word sperm from this word. He says, notice how the seed that falls on rocky soil is described as falling on a man who has no firm root in in himself. He was not prepared to nurture and develop the seed. It may seem odd that someone has to prepare to receive the kingdom until you realize that the kingdom is being transferred in the form of a seed or sperm. That's awkward. Okay. And so, as we move on, page 88, um, he goes back to referencing chapter 9 of Spiritual Intelligence. And that Paul labored among the people through instruction or teaching and preaching and through correcting believers when they got off track. He was helping them prepare their hearts for the kingdom of God. The word instruction actually means, according to Chris Valentin, structures formed in me. In other words, he says, instruction fashions a sort of womb within us so that we can receive teaching, which is in the context of this kind of spiritual intelligence as information, or more accurately, the kingdom is forming within us. He says, Paul was a sower, sowing the seed of the kingdom into the wombs of his people until the word was fully formed within them. That's right there. It's in there. And then, if it couldn't be any worse, on page 108, and as it goes on with this, it correlates with this, the sower, a parable, and this teaching. 
Uh, Chris Vallotton says, as he goes back to the story of the sower, he said, Jesus said the man had no root in himself, so the seed died. Roots are formed through the ability to receive instruction or structures within. If we refuse correction, reproof, discipline, and chastening, we will not have a womb to protect the seeds of teaching. Teaching comes from receiving information or internal formations. Remember, the goal of developing this type of SQ is that Christ is actually being formed within us. Let me read that again. He says, the goal of developing this type of SQ is that Christ is actually being formed within us. In other words, we are becoming the teaching, just as Jesus demonstrated when the Bible says of him that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's in John chapter 1, verse 14. I, that was at that point that that was one of the moments I had to walk away for a few minutes. That was one of those points of going, that sounds blasphemous because we are not, we cannot become the Word of God. That, that is going along the lines that I mentioned this last week. That, again, this, the Word of Faith teaching, one of the Word of Faith teachings was little God doctrine, the little gods, that we are little gods. And Valentin has said that years ago uh, on a clip, but this just feeds into this, and, and I'll share some thoughts at the end, but we'll keep moving for time's sake. As we go on to Module 4, uh, on page 97 uh, in Module 4, this is talking about the physics of SQ. And Chris Valentin says, it is important that we don't miss the main message of Peter walking on water with Jesus when he's talking about him being able to walk on water. He says, faith caused Peter to tap into the third heaven, the superior law of the spirit. However brief the moment, he experienced the kingdom come near him. Walking on water, he demonstrated that faith is the on-ramp to experiencing a superior ecosystem manifesting over an inferior ecosystem. In fact, everything in the spirit realm works by the law of faith, whether someone is operating from the dark side out of the second heaven or from God's spirit out of the third heaven. Faith is the foundational element of everything in the spirit world. And then he talks about diving deeper into the law of faith, referencing Matthew 17, 16 through 20, when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and going on to discuss that. And he uh, mentions about about the creativity that we can have um, on pages 107 to 109 in this. Again, this a lot of this is alluding to word of faith. What I just read to you, that's, that's alluding to word of faith type talk, in my opinion. Uh, creativity, invention, and innovation. Lesson three of module four. He mentions about there's problems that we can have in the way we view the Bible. He says, for many Christians, the scriptures are a box, a limitation, and a strong boundary embodying all truth. Their basic Christian belief is that if it's not in the Bible, it's for the most part not true. Yet nearly all Christians believe in things like air conditioning, modern transportation, electronic devices. That has nothing to do with Scripture, <laughs> but yet this is this is what it'll conflate to, to this. So, it's kind of like a red herring in a way. He says, here are some questions to ponder. What if we viewed the Bible as an empowering platform instead of an, a limiting container? What if we viewed God as bigger than His book? Yeah, he wrote that in print. And then he goes on on page 108 to say that he agrees, you know, he's not saying that there's no hell, that we shouldn't preach the gospel. He's not suggesting that there are other scriptures outside the 66 books. Um, he says that we should never embrace any idea that is anti-biblical. He says he's simply pointing out that the goal of the Bible is for us to get to know God. Furthermore, the entire Bible is true, but not everything that is true is in the Bible. 
And he says, we have been learning, however, that the creator is revealed in all creation. God is the originator of creativity, innovation, and invention. And he'd like to suggest that although some of the greatest innovators and inventors were unbelievers, they thought like God and that they had faith for the impossible. And he calls these people unbelieving believers. And that we must understand that unbelievers do not have the power to take glory away from God. Their creativity only reveals him even more. He goes on to say the problem number two that we can face is our deep-seated fear of being deceived. And he points to chapter 12 of spiritual intelligence in this section of his book. He says, I talk about the importance of submitting to a culture that cultivates healthy character while also inspiring spiritual intelligence. He says, all believers need the balance of having a community that both cares about an individual's relationship with God and sound doctrine and encourages the pursuit of revelation, invention, innovation, and creativity. I know you're as excited as I am. Uh, module five, <laughs> we're at the end of this, this part. Uh, module five, what time is it? That's the, I'm not asking you what time it is. I'm just telling you that's the name of the module. Uh, module five, he, he mentions about Kairos conductors, which he, he mentioned in that clip I played at the beginning. And if you've been in this movement, then you may be familiar with the words uh, Kairos and Kronos. They'll use these Greek words and use them in a, uh, they say, a prophetic way. I know that the leader I was under, uh, he was uh, very hip on using, talking about Kairos moments. And so Chris Valentin is as well. But he talks about people being Kairos conductors. And Kairos is, uh, according to them, is referring to uh, spiritual uh, divine appointments that God has has ordained, that these are, these are moments with a divine purpose and a presupposed outcome. Um, on page 120, in module five of the workbook, Valentin mentions how he's discussed this in chapter 14 of his book, uh, where he settles into trusting the Spirit to guide our lives and, and begin to plug into the prophetic gifts. And he says, we can sometimes find ourselves living in the future instead of from the future. He said, we need to honor the past, live in the present, and look to the future. So, that was interesting. He said that Kairos moments can be marked by acceleration, unusual circumstances, and supernatural interventions. Now, I'm getting ready to play a clip for you in just a minute. I know, right? You, it, usually, I have more clips, but you get to hear me quite a bit today, as I said. On page 127 of this Module 5, The Spiritual Internet, this is Lesson 2. Chris Valentin points out that there are a few very, there are a few manifestations that are almost like having a spiritual internet in operation, and one of them is airdropping. He said that is a spiritual dynamic that takes place as a result of the Holy Spirit living in us individually and collectively at the same time. This gives us a spiritual connection in that our human spirits are in union with one another through the conduit of the Holy Spirit. We can airdrop spiritual gifts to one another by way of the Holy Spirit. Paul reminded his disciple Timothy of the airdrop that took place in his spirit, urging him to make progress with the spiritual gift that was bestowed to him through prophetic words and the laying on of hands. I'm going to play this clip for you right now. Uh, he also mentions about spiritual collective reasoning and spiritual inheritance. But let's listen to this clip where he talks about airdropping. And God is so brilliant that God transcends the laws of, of, of physics, and he literally can have a personal relationship with all of us simultaneously. Are you following me? Then Paul says, in Ephesians 4, preserve the unity of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that we are all naturally unified because the Spirit that's in you is the same Spirit that's in me. Are you following me? And therefore, because the same Spirit's in you that's in me, because it's one Holy Spirit, are you make, am I making any sense? I can actually airdrop gifts to you. Right? 
Think about it. Paul said to Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 14, do not neglect the spiritual gifts within you, which were bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. In other words, how do we get gifts? Well, we get gifts from the Holy Spirit, but we also get gifts from one another. Why? Because the spirit that's in you is the same spirit that's in me. So if I want to give you something, I transfer it. How do I transfer it? By the spirit. I actually have collective intelligence because I'm part of a Holy Spirit's internet. I can access the Holy Spirit's internet. I don't have to access EQ and IQ. I can actually, I can actually ask, access spiritual intelligence. How do I access spiritual intelligence? Daniel is talking to Nebuchadnezzar, who's had this dream about the statue. Do you remember? Gold head all the way down to clay feet. And, and Nebuchadnezzar's willing to kill all the wise men if they don't tell him the dream and the interpretation. And Daniel steps onto the stage and he says this to the king, as for you, O king, while you were on your bed, your thoughts turned to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mystery has made known to you what will take place. Point. We were talking about neural pathways. I'm now talking about building neural pathways to spiritual intelligence. How do I build neural pathways to spiritual intelligence? Remember I said, repeated thought creates pathways. The reason why I very seldom tap into SQ is because I choose IQ and EQ. Are you with me? In other words, I, I have a decision to make and I ask three of my friends instead of asking Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I never create a large highway to Holy Spirit because I get the answer somewhere else, not realizing that I'm actually, I'm actually relegated myself to lower thinking. Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar, the way you tapped into mysteries is you asked yourself a question you couldn't answer. And when you, tapped out, when, you, when you asked yourself a question that wasn't naturally answerable, you could not find an answer for it, you naturally tapped in to the Spirit of God who reveals mysteries. What I'm getting at is, what would happen if we started asking God first? <laughs> what would happen if we got on the internet right away instead of, like, let me see how much is on my little hard drive, or let me see how much is on yours, let me see how much is on yours. What if I tapped into the Holy Spirit as my first train of thought? What if, I started, what if I started meditating in the way that I actually plowed neural pathways into the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I began to say when I'm up against a challenge, when I'm thinking of a new way to do something, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I have a problem in my life, instead of going to calling my five friends, which I'm not against that at all, what would happen if I started, my first response was, I'm going to take this 10-laden freeway to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to say, what do you think about this? And I began to build neural pathways <laughs> into the internet of God. He then goes on on page 129 to encourage uh, others to share with a person what they've learned in this study about airdropping in the Spirit and to get together with a person and or with other believers and lay hands on one another to release gifts to one another. So, as we go on and finish up with this, uh, in uh, Lesson 3, uh, Module 5, he, uh, under accessing God's thoughts and ideas, one of the things he states is the goal of discipleship through a life in the Spirit is to become like God. That's his words. He says, notice that I did not say that we are to become a God. He says, I'm simply pointing out that in Christ, we are a new prototype, discerning, learning, and maturing in his ways, that that is fascinating to him. And then there were two more things I wanted to point out in this book before I briefly talk about the SQ Institute. 
So, um, in the last part of the module, he mentions about God being God's solutionary, and he points to the cloud of witnesses, and he believes that the the, the who's who, uh, which he says, wouldn't you love to be one of the who's who that your name is whispered in the hall of faith, like those? Just imagine the who's who of the faith, the celebrities of heaven, the true heroes of God. He says on page one thirty seven, standing to their feet and cheering you on as you run the race that has been set before you. You should know that the race set before you is for those who are with you presently, who benefit from your relationship with Jesus, as well as for those who are yet to be born. The truth is that our level of spiritual intelligence not only honors those who have gone before us, but will determine the impact we have on those who will inherit the future. The more we experience transcended thinking, thinking beyond the confines of time and space, and thinking beyond the limits of human reasoning, the greater impact it will have on the legacy we leave for the generations to come. And then this last thing on page 140, I want to briefly share with you. He ends the book with telling people in the workbook uh, under building new neural pathways that they need to live a life that goes beyond their humanness and reflects their identity as God's spiritually intelligent child. And in that, he wants to encourage them to write out a 100-year vision. It might feel overwhelming to think through, but you could start by revisiting your response in the previous Renew Your Mind exercise. Envision the solution you described extending beyond your lifetime. Spend time with God, dream with Him, and write this vision together. Meditate on His Word, and as vision comes, write it down. You do not have to do this all in one sitting, but the time is now to begin building a legacy that will change the course of history. As you begin that process, I will leave you with this final declaration, Chris Valentin says. May our children's children children say of us that generation truly had the mind of christ they were the pioneers of spiritual intelligence who paved the way for our generation and isn't that in a good way to end i mean it's i i'm not trying to be a debbie downer and and be the bearer of bad news but i'm just going to point this out in case it wasn't clear to you already this teaching is very man-centered uh, very woman centered. It's very humanistic. It's it's human centered. It's it's centered on your greatness, and God is at the periphery. The cloud of witnesses is focused on you and your greatness, and they're cheering you on. They're not worshiping God. They're not focused on Christ. They're not there worshiping Him in all His glory and His splendor and His majesty, and in His radiance and His holiness. They're not. Uh, they're not focused on Him. They're focused on you. So you need to make sure that you are running well because you have people watching you, a cloud of witnesses, and you want your name to be whispered in the hall of faith, and you want your children's children's children to talk about how great you ran and how you opened and pioneered the road and paved the way for spiritual intelligence and mention God's name in that. And I'm saying that because it, it's very sad to hear such things like this, that there is such a diminishing, there's such a focus on the power of God, but <laughs> there's not a focus on God himself. That again, like I said last week, is there, there's just got to be more. There, there's more to this than just what's in Scripture because that's that's limiting, and and he will use that language to diminish the Bible and to diminish those who hold to the standard of the authority of God's word. But they'll get they'll tip their hat to it and they'll give homage to it. But then they'll say, well, you know, you need to think beyond that. You need to think beyond it because. 
God wants to speak to you, and He wants to speak to you outside of His Word. And so, while in the same breath, they'll say, but it's not authoritative (laughs) when He speaks to you outside of His Word. So, you know, which is it? Because it seems as if it's being double-minded in that moment, and it's not really honoring and believing that, that what God has spoken to us is sufficient in instructing us and, and in helping us know God and realizing when, I'm, I, when, I, realize, when I read the Bible, I, I'm understanding that I'm fellowshipping with the Lord and understanding who He is, understanding His ways. I'm looking for Jesus in the Old Testament when I'm reading now. I'm not looking for myself. I'm looking for Christ in there because, first of all, I know Christ, and I know that He's my Lord and my Savior. But when I'm reading the Word of God, I'm looking for Him in there to see, oh, look at this. This is amazing. The the prophets were speaking of Him. They were testifying of Him. Look at the feast. Look at all these things that are giving types and shadows of Him. It's a glorious word to read, and it's a glorious word to study. And there will be little jabs that'll be thrown at people for for focusing on that and saying the the importance and the value of that. But no, you got to move beyond that. And then so we've got this whole spiritual intelligence thing that's come out, and we've got to do and think. We can now think God's thoughts. And I just again, I just go, how can that not be authoritative? So we'll get past that now. I'll get off my soapbox, and we'll spend a few minutes talking about, and then I'll have some closing thoughts about the Spiritual Intelligence Institute. Now, I want to play this clip for you from an interview that Lindsay Ryman and Chris Vallotton did so you can kind of hear a little bit more about her involvement in this and hear about the Spiritual Intelligence Institute. Of spiritual intelligence, like, it just made sense to kind of put you at the point of that. Thank you. So, how long have you been, you know, you haven't been a believer that long. I mean, compared to, like, me, like, right. 50 years or something. <laughs> And yet the Lord's taking you on this journey and you have, you have some incredible stories. Like I know that you created a team for your own ministry and those folks uh, have been um, able to give direction and insight and wisdom to, let's just say law enforcement. Yeah. Um, And so you've got, you've got a great story. I know I want, I want to hear that one for sure. (laughs) Yeah. um, We were doing reports for people and it was like, we were in year two and it was still experimenting and and figuring out my, my intention was just to encourage people and also to do like sneaky evangelism basically. Because when you get a beautiful book of prophetic words on your life, it doesn't matter what faith you're from. These people will, tear into it and read it immediately. Yeah, here I am. Everyone wants to know Send what me. God thinks about them. Absolutely. Um, but this funny thing, it started happening where solutions were accidentally popping out of the report. Like business people and, and different people in different sectors were like, it's so funny, there's this thing in this report and we took action on it and it actually led to some fruit. Like the, it worked out. So it's like, it's like not just a prophetic word. It has like connected to wisdom. Like what should you do about this? Yes. Wisdom is the key. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, man, maybe I should experiment a li- little bit with like trying to just go after solutions. And in this time, because I'm new, someone said to me, hey, have you ever heard of this guy named Dan McCollum? And I was like, no. And they're oh, like, our good friend. Yes, he was also part of the SQS Institute. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I had traveled to his, he has a thing called School of Prophetic Trainers yeah. because I was like, I think I want to try to go out in the world and solve problems through the revelatory realm. But I didn't really know what I was doing. So check this out. He has this whole thing set up where throughout the whole conference, there's these different um, mountains where it's like the mountain of government, the mountain of Hollywood, yeah, the mountain the spheres, of media. Kind yeah. Of spheres, yeah. And, and there was sort of these like, they didn't call them SQ tests, but that's kind of what was happening. Yeah. It was like, get a word of knowledge here, see if you can solve this crime see if you get words of knowledge Finding at the children. family mountain, like what's your Metron, right? Yeah. So I went to the school of prophetic trainers. I'm the leader of AR in the prophetic lab. And I did the entire, every single sphere. And I failed at every single test. I mean, I didn't get one thing right. So this is the moment, right? Where I was like, I'm a fraud. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't do this. I'm I need, not prophetic. I'm not prophetic. I've tricked everybody. We, I need to cancel the lab. Like I just, I want to tell the story because it's going to make sense in a minute. Yeah. But and so that day I, I went, I remember I drove home and I was like, okay, what am I doing? Like, I can't try to pursue, so, try to even pursue solutions. I can't even get a word of knowledge at a trainer's event. Like, so it was really in my head. And a few days later I had 
a divine appointment, if you will. A friend of a friend said, hey, Lindsay, I have uh, this businessman that I want you to talk to about God, and I just feel like you might have something for him. And if you listened to any of the episodes a couple weeks ago about the Prophetic Lab, you'll recognize that story. This was one of the things Lindsay shared about a businessman approaching her, wanting to make a, a similar uh, assimilation like from Daniel, and he would not tell her his problem that he needed a solution to. So he gave her 36 hours, I think it was, or 48 hours to come to him like Daniel did to Nebuchadnezzar and to tell him what his dream was, you know. And so, she talks about how this angel came to her, like she waited and waited and waited and nothing happened. And then an angel came into her room in her home and uh, touched her and gave her the revelation that she needed for all this. And she wrote it down. You know, I think it was in a dream, maybe. And then uh, she woke up the next day and looked at it. It didn't make any sense. But then she decided to share it with him uh, to be like Daniel, essentially. And according to her, it was accurate. So she she tells this story about this, but <laughs> did anybody catch that about the seven mountains being mentioned? <laughs> yeah, seven mountains. So anyway, let's talk about the Spiritual Intelligence Institute for just a few minutes. When we go on their website, the history portion for the Spiritual Intelligence Institute states this, The SQ Institute was founded to develop and deploy the Daniel, Solomons, and Esthers of our day to serve the kings of the earth, not only with IQ and EQ, but with SQ, spiritual intelligence. And it goes on to list that the Bethel Church Senior Associate Leader, Chris Vallotton, Prophetic Company CEO, Dan McCullum, and Aqua Regia slash Prophetic Lab CEO, Lindsay Ryman, joined forces to create a cutting-edge training institute to equip spiritual innovators to not only unlock solutions to the world's pressing problems through insights from God, but to provoke curiosity and challenge them to discover the knowledge that surpasses limited human data and reason. On this website, you're going to see that they offer different services that they say are services, and they also have a link to the Prophetic Lab. They have interactive labs that you can participate in, and they are uh, at a cost. So here's the list of them. Methods 101, Prophesy Your Year, Solutionaries Intensive, an Activation Lab, Prophetic Report Lab, and Custom Lab. I'm not going to look at all of these, but I'll just highlight a couple of them so you can get an idea of what they offer. Under the tab for Prophesy Your Year. I thought that was an interesting one. Let's look at that one. It says in the description, in the Prophesy Your Year lab, you will discover what God is saying about your current season, receive prophetic insight, and uncover the voice of God in your everyday. In this live one and a half hour online lab, you will receive instruction on how to prophesy signs, create a prophetic calendar that marks your personal prophetic theme each month, and speak into other seasons. You will leave encouraged and equipped to partner with God in every season. And the pricing for this is $49. It's a two-hour live instruction, interactive activations, and individual workbook is what it includes. The next one I wanted to take a look at was the Solutionaries Intensive. And Lindsay has talked about these before um, on Instagram, for example. But the Solutionaries Intensive is a 12-week course that will teach you a four-step process for gathering, analyzing, and applying intel received from the Holy Spirit to form practical solutions for leaders' real challenges. Through coursework, you will grow in confidence in your ability to hear the voice of God, work with small teams to pursue the wisdom of God, and unlock heaven's solutions to serve society around you. And the next one is in February of next year. So it includes the SQ Masterclass, which is 21 video teachings, over seven and a half hours of instruction. That's coming from Chris Vallotton, would be my guess, because uh, the 
the SQ Masterclass comes from him and it's based on his book. Two hours of weekly live online instruction for 12 weeks. A digital copy of the Spiritual Intelligence Workbook that we work through today. A digital copy of Chris's book. Uh, one and a half hours of weekly interactive labs. You'll be assigned to an SQ tank where you'll apply what you learned in class alongside a small group of other students and exercise SQ to solve real life problems together. It also includes the SQ Advanced Aptitude Assessment. So that's also in the book. And the price for this one, get ready. It's $1,195, or you can make three payments of $399 a month. One final one to look at that I mentioned was a prophetic report lab. And the prophetic report was an idea divinely inspired within the spiritual intelligence company, Aquaregia, a partner company, as we learned about in the first two episodes a few weeks ago. You can check those out if you wish. The pricing for this is $650. And what's included in this is to leave with a full prophetic report, coaching from a team of of spiritual intelligence institute instructors, and on-demand access for one month after the course concludes. So, you can get a prophetic report through this lab for $650 and work with some of the instructors there. But these are some of the things that they offer, and then they have a custom lab that you can do where they will actually come to your church or a small group so you can experience uh, the SQ Institute lab. And there's a, a form that they will have you fill out in order to do that. So, I know that there's a lot of information that I've shared today, and uh, there's, uh, like I said before, there's probably stuff that I could share that's not in here because there's so much in these books and these workbooks, but I wanted to highlight some of the main things that are in here, and this kind of coincides along, too, with some of the things that Chris Valentin has repetitively shared publicly when he teaches about spiritual intelligence, so that you can understand where he's coming from on this, and As always, I share in these episodes concerns and questions because I don't agree with these practices, and I I can't uh, unify with something like this uh, personally as a believer because there's so many red flags with this and uh, concerns and the twisting of Scripture um, in the process of trying to teach people spiritual intelligence and I just want to leave you with some thoughts, and maybe you've had your own thoughts when listening to these, and I appreciate you sticking with me these past four weeks if you've gone through all four of these episodes. But when I was listening to Chris Valentin and reading through these books, I couldn't help but think about certain passages in Scripture, such as the account in Genesis about the Tower of Babel, where the people are building the tower, and they're basically wanting to get as close to God as they can, and essentially they're wanting to be their own gods. And... And I I found myself reflecting on um, the passages in Isaiah 14, where it's talking about the king of Babylon there, the Chaldean king that will be destroyed. And there's uh, many scholars that have alluded to the fact that this seems to be describing Lucifer. When you read in Isaiah chapter 14, where Lucifer, this king, was saying, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. He says a a lot of I wills even prior to that in verse 13. I found myself going back to those passages like that thinking, man, this really sounds as if man is being, and or self is being elevated here, that I will do all these great things, and I'm going to attach God's name to them, but I'm going to ascend, and I'm going to think like God because I'm becoming, I'm transforming. And when statements like that are made, uh, I think it leads into a very dangerous path of essentially adopting this practice of 
believing that you're like God. And as I said last week, we really need to understand as believers and remember who the Creator is, who the creature is that has been created, and our place in that relationship with God. I think about the theology in the garden that was happening at the time of the fall, and what the serpent said to Eve, and how Adam sinned against God and rebelled against Him. It all came from the disobedience of eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God told Adam not to eat from, and instead he disobeyed God. And because of that, sin entered the world, and Romans 5 talks about this. Because of what he did, sin entered and death entered with him. And that goes to all humankind. And the solution, if we're looking for heaven's solutions to things, then we need to go back to the gospel. Because Jesus Christ has brought heaven's solutions, if you will, and I hate using that term in that way, but there's nothing wrong with saying heaven and the solution. But heaven's solution is the gospel. That's the the solution to the world's sin, to the world's problems, to the darkness that tries to overcome but cannot overcome the light, the true light from Jesus Christ and the light of the gospel of God, His Word that is powerful and in itself is bringing salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also the Greek. There has been this sinful desire that we see that is garden theology from from the fall that creeps in in these teachings to not just be known by God, but to be God. And even though someone will say, well, I don't mean that you're going to become a God, but you're still saying the things that you're going, you're thinking exactly what the Holy Spirit's thinking. And if that's the case, then these people that are claiming this should be solving many of the world's natural problems. And my question would be, why are they not doing that? If they could have instant access to God's immediate and perfect thoughts, then why aren't they solving more of the world's problems? And what we'll see is an over-realized eschatology. We see an over-realization of scriptural passages. There's assignment of more authority, over-realized authority and power for, for the human being than what we are really delegated to have. There's so many problems that can come with this. And as I said last week, what's to stop someone from saying, I am God? I am Jesus Christ. There's people that are coming up and they're saying that all over even now. And scripture tells us that this will happen. So I did this study because for a couple reasons, people had been mentioning about wanting this looked looked at and examined. And obviously, I'm not the be all end all and I'm not perfect in looking at this. There's probably people that could do a far better job and more thorough job than I could. And, and I acknowledge that. But what I've showed you today, I hope that it gives you some understanding of the dangers and the concerns surrounding this type of teaching, and that there's some repackaging here. There's repackaging of the prophetic, there's incorporating in the prophetic, as they mentioned in the beginning, and there's a repackaging of word of faith within here. Uh, There's repackaging of the signs and wonders and incorporating all these different elements that they already believe and hold, the seven mountain mandate that was mentioned in one of the clips. And I'm just going to say it. There's some of the things in here that are ringing and are screaming new apostolic reformation, that these are some of the things that are affiliated with it. And so I would strongly urge you, if you're even considering looking at something like this or getting a prophetic report, or you know a loved one that has, uh, that loves listening to Bethel and they're considering this whole spiritual intelligence 
uh, topic and belief and the prophetic lab and and different things like that or playing when the prophetic I, that really is concerning when someone says I'm playing in the prophetic I'm playing with the Holy Spirit there's such a lack of reverence for that and and I just find that very concerning for that individual and for others that are saying things like that share these these podcasts with them if you think that it'll help them have discussions with them don't argue have discussions. Have loving discussions and keep the lines of communication open to where you can go back and say, okay, at the end of the day, what does Scripture have to say on these certain matters? When Chris Vallotton is using certain biblical passages, what does it mean in context? Let's sit together and open our Bibles together, and let's look at them together. Let's not just isolate that verse, but let's let's read it before and after and see what's going on here. Let's use proper biblical hermeneutics. And you don't have to use that word, but... Let's have, a, let's have a biblical discussion about this, not about the person, but about the teaching. And that's what this is all about. It's not about attacking an individual. Though in situations like this, the individual has to be talked about. This is a highly influential individual who has purported himself to be a prophet. And he is now creating these things, this institute, writing the books about spiritual intelligence, and encouraging people to think God's thoughts, to think like God, not just do what the Bible says, and then diminishing, it would seem, what Scripture says, and then diminishing people and belittling people that hold to the truth of God's Word and believe that it is all that is needed for godly living. But now he's saying you can have God's thoughts beyond this, while saying, oh, well, you know, there's no such thing as a false prophet, and I've talked about that before, and diminishing that. But Scripture does not diminish that, y'all. It does not diminish the fact that there are False prophets and false prophecy is taken very seriously in Scripture. It is not something to take lightly. Claiming that you're hearing from God and that you can get His thoughts directly, like Google God as what He's saying, that's not something to take lightly. And it's not something that you want someone telling you, well, I can think God's thoughts, but I could be wrong. (laughs) It's just not a biblical practice. So, at any rate... Again, I hope this was helpful today, Uh, and until next time when we look at our next topic, be blessed today by the truth of God's Word, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at dawnatlovesubscribe.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesixcribe.com, where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.